Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. The message today is actually titled, Don't Tell Me What to Do. And so when I share, you're allowed to laugh when I share the first story of the day today, because obviously I wrote the bulk of this before lockdown hit. I felt like I was just following what God was giving me. And when I share my opening story, and now that you see that I am on tech and using tech to deliver this message this morning, and I am live on social media, you can have a great big laugh with everybody there when you hear what I'm about to say. So hopefully you're ready to go. You've got your Bible. And here we go. Here we go. So the title is Don't Tell Me What To Do. And so what I need to do, I'm just going to bring up, okay, bring up my notes here. Got a few screens going. Okay, so this is my opening story on this for today. So it's about a problem that I have had. And the problem that I have had, I've had a problem with technology. And so you might relate to this, some of you. I know some some people on here, you are guns at technology and that is amazing. But I have a problem with technology. And so a pandemic like this, it has poked on that problem big time. It's made it a really big sore point. But not only that, but a few months before the pandemic even hit, I felt like God called me to start up online ministry about three months before. And so you can tell it's not yourself that is saying to do this when you actually are afraid of it and you avoid it. So I'm on a very humbling journey through technology. So back in the day, Back in the day when we were early married, I would occasionally have to face my fear of technology because you can't avoid it forever. And so I would occasionally have to confront it and I would have to do something technological to do with computers, with backing up information, storing photos, things like that. And I would avoid the space as long as I could, but it would go something like this. I would have put it off. I'd put it off. And I'd put it off some more and then I'm feeling really tense because I know it's coming and it's sort of hanging, you know, that thing, it hangs over the back of you and I just can't put it off anymore and I have to have a go. But I am feeling so tense that when I have to face this, I have to do it alone. And so I'm doing it alone, but I don't know what I'm doing and I get stuck pretty quick. I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to think it through. I try simple things, you know, like you turn the device off and you turn it back on and you hope for the best. You go through what have I already tried. You go right back to the beginning, simple steps, all of that. But I am stuck. I might have even tried getting angry. You know, you hit the TV sometimes of wake it up, that will work. I'm really stuck. And by this, but this time when you're tense, you're frustrated and you know you're really stuck, I know that I need help. But by now, my capacity to interact in a civil way and to be patient and kind to anybody else has kind of left the building. And so when I go to Toby and I ask for help, I'm not going, oh, Toby, I'm actually doing something more like 
I cannot make the computer work. It won't work. And I am very frustrated in this space. So enter Toby, poor Toby. Enter Toby, who's a very brave person. And he attempts to work it out. And as you would know, if you've worked with a stuck person who is unwilling to communicate what they've actually done because they're so frustrated and so tense, it's pretty hard to help them, isn't it? And so often with my mess, it just couldn't be resolved quickly because I'm not communicating well. And the best solution would actually be, let's just remove Deb from the situation. Let's get her out of the way altogether. And so you might relate a little bit to this. Perhaps you've felt that frustration where you can't even get the help that you want. You, you just wish it would be better. So what happened then is I'm so frustrated then that it can't be fixed, that the situation just won't go away, that I had a tendency to then turn on toe. I would blame him then and put all my frustration of the situation on him. He's my helper and here I am blaming him for the problem because it's not fixed, it's not better. And perhaps you saw in my story that I didn't even ask him for help. By the time I admit help, I'm not even asking. I am telling how bad, telling him how bad this problem is. I just want it fixed. I just want it gone. I don't want to be told what to do here. I just want the whole thing sorted and done. I actually just want it out of my life and gone. I was done with the situation. So just think about that. When is the last time that you thought to yourself, don't tell me what to do? And it might be with a tone, don't tell me what to do. When is the last time? So today is not the day. I think it would be tempting. You're sitting on the couch. You might be in bed. You're next to someone. A bit tempting to go, yeah, you did that yesterday. But today is not the day to nudge the person beside you. Today is the day to think about when did you last say that or when did you last think that? Don't tell me what to do. Perhaps you're here and you're thinking, wow, I just want to be told what to do. If only someone would tell me what to do. If only God would tell me what to do. Well, we're going to touch on that today as well. When we don't like something, we often avoid it. But at some point, we have to face it. And when we add that we don't feel like we know what to do with something, we often just work even harder to get out of it. We wish it away. We want it gone. And we do not want someone telling us what to do because then we actually have to engage in that thing that we hate. Then we have to do something and we're tired of it all. And in life, we are constantly faced with hard things. We're constantly challenged. Look at us this weekend. We are challenged. And if you're not feeling challenged in this environment, you might actually be doing a really great job of avoiding. And even for the person here who's pretty happy, you might be happy with how your life is. You've got it all sorted. You've got it organized. You're pleased with yourself. You're pleased with your assets, your achievements. At some point in life, we're all faced with things that we don't know what to do and we don't have a way of avoiding them. We can't. So when this time comes, our attitude of don't tell me what to do 
actually blocks us from being able to face and walk through the situation. It blocks us from being able to walk through that hard relationship and work it out. It blocks us from knowing how to navigate a health crisis. It might have blocked you from knowing how to navigate this pandemic well. So if I had an attitude way back in the beginning that said, please tell me what to do, I would have asked for help from Toby before I even sat down to tackle the tech. I would have admitted that I needed help. I would have accepted the help. And because it was with Toby, I actually would have had so much more time with him. I would have connected with him. I would have enjoyed time with with Tobe. I would have been able to appreciate what he has in these skills that I totally definitely don't have. It also would have taken the fear out of like the power of that fear of tech out of my life. If I had of admitted that I needed help and said, please tell me what to do in the beginning. And we've all experienced what happens, haven't we? When another person, we're talking to a person and that person looks at us like, or they say, don't tell me what to do. Or they put their hands up and then we know what that feels like, don't we? And our reaction is, okay, then I'll just take a step back and leave you to it. And so we create distance with each other when we say those sorts of things, when we communicate it with our body or our, our um, facial expression. And we do this with God as well. So what do we do with this attitude that says, don't tell me what to do? Because we won't go through life well with it. We won't connect with God with it. We won't feel free with it. We won't be able to have a fullness of joy with it. So Micah 6, 8 says, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. I'm just pausing. We're back. Okay. We just had a pause for a second then. Micah 6, 8 says, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. Sorry about the connection being a bit tricky. Hopefully it stabilizes for us now. The Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So doing what is right actually feels right to us. We are made for this. This is where we have a sense of rightness inside us. We have a sense of ease even in the really hard things when we did the right thing and we know we've picked the best option. Loving mercy actually means having freedom for us. We can be free of guilt and it's like we can soar on the wings of eagles. We can fly. And to be able to choose what is right and to do what is right and to fly, it says we need to walk humbly with God. So how do we do this? So we're going to read from Luke 18, 9 to 17. So grab your Bible now and read along with me from Luke 18, 9 to 17. So this is the, the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector and it follows on from there as well. So I'm just going to start reading now from Luke 18, verses 9 to 17. And it says, 
to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. And he said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax here, tax collector. I wonder if a tax collector could hear him. I just thought of that. That would be pretty awful, wouldn't it? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. Maybe he didn't hear him. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then it goes on in verse 15, the little children and Jesus. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so that's where we're going to go from today. So this passage introduces the concept of pride and humility. And we do not like the word humility very much. Sometimes I think culturally we connect the word humility to weakness, to failure, or at the very least to a lack of significance. And maybe for some of you, you connect the word humility with the word humiliation and pain. And of course, if the Lord is on about it, we know that the world will be punching out the opposite, that we are to be fighters, that we are to usurp authority, that we are the ultimate authority and that we can do whatever we like. And so nobody can tell us what to do. So for us as followers of Jesus, we are very tempted to place this attitude on the Lord. We don't even realize that we're doing it sometimes don't tell me what to do. We don't realise that we're placing this on the Lord, that I can do whatever I like. But it kind of comes out a little bit when we go to God with maybe a statement of, just fix it, God, just take it away. And we're in a time right now where we actually don't have time or energy to be focusing on the plank in someone else's eye. We need to sort out our own first. And being humble is knowing your place in Jesus. So this, I was going to do this great demonstration, which does require all of me and maybe someone else, and we don't have that. So maybe if you're with other people, just pick the biggest person that is in your room. Or if you're on your own, just imagine a really big person. And then what you're going to need to do is you're going to imagine that they are way, way, way bigger than they actually are. Just use your imagination today. So this person we're going to call God or Jesus. We're going to call God and then we now, for those kids who got a Lego man, thank you so much. So just imagine this big person in your room as God and then get that person to hold the little Lego man. If I hold it back here, 
gives a bit more of the um, picture. This little person is us. This is our place in Jesus. So humility is knowing our place in Jesus. And so if we have this in mind, we often say, yeah, I know that, but we're not aware of it. It's not in our mind when we come to the Lord, that we are actually all teeny tiny little humans under a very big God. And so when we come like this, we know that God knows that much. He is that much bigger. His knowledge is that much bigger. His power is that much bigger. And that's going into the fear of the Lord space that we've recently gone on a journey with as a church. But we also know that his love is that much bigger than ours. And so humility comes and knows I am a teeny tiny little human that gets to come up close to the massive God who has so much more knowledge and power than me. And that is my place in the Lord. He is so much bigger and yet he is so close. Now, let's just go a little bit further with other people. So, you know, that person, that boss that you're really afraid of, that situation where that person seems threatening and you're out of power, they, compared to the biggest person in your room who is representing God right now, they are that big. That that's person or perhaps that situation is actually that big. And so this is knowing our place in Jesus, that we are teeny tiny little humans with massive God, and that is our place in Jesus. So not only are we tiny compared to God, but we get to come in really close. So how do we live with that picture in mind? So this passage goes on beyond introducing pride and humility to the section about children and Jesus. And so the first step that I want to put to you, it sounds a bit weird, but the first step that I put to you is we need to bring our babies. So Luke 18, 15 says people were also bringing babies to Jesus to, for him to place his hands on him. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. People brought their babies to Jesus, the most precious Thing that they had they brought to Jesus and they were declaring that this baby because a baby is fully dependent on provision on care and nurture this thing that they had was fully dependent on the Lord would they bring their babies their most precious thing to the Lord if he was going to hurt them I don't think so would they go against custom and bring their babies if nothing would happen even? I don't think so. They were bringing their babies for Jesus to lay his hands on them, which is for him to bless them. He was going to improve their lives in some way. And so this is like bringing our literal babies. As parents, we all know how hard it is with our children sometimes to let go, to bring them before the Lord and to trust him with them. But I also believe that this is symbolic as well. We all have babies and, you know, the things that we love a lot, the things that we've developed, the things that we've created, that business, that cool social media page, that relationship that's so important to us, material possessions. 
So Twig last week with us, he talked about a person being asked by God to give up their car and would they do it? And sometimes we scoff and we think, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to give up everything. I don't care. I'm not materialistic. But I know for some people in our community, we have faced that. We've faced losing everything and it's actually not as easy as we think it would be. We might talk about someone else and we go, oh, don't touch that. That is so-and-so's baby. And so when we're referring to something of utmost importance, we guard it. We hold it close. It's something we oversee, something we've developed, something we've created. And often we can find our identity in that baby. If we've been successful in our work, then we might feel like we're a good person and we're okay because our work is going well. We get confronted then if it doesn't go well and we can feel like a failure. So here in Luke, we have people coming and they're bringing their babies to God, their most precious possessions as such. You don't just trust any old person with your baby. You trust God with your baby. And the passage says that the disciples rebuked them. They considered the younger, the dependent, to not be important enough for Jesus. So these are people who were following Jesus in the flesh. They're following Jesus every day and they missed this understanding of humility with the Lord. So how much then do we miss it today too? How much do we miss in others that while this is a little person, a seemingly insignificant person, or that this issue in their life seems like nothing to us, that it is important to God? If we miss it in others, I challenge that we're missing it because we disregard their babies. We're missing it in our lives as well. We're missing that all things are dependent on God and need God to be God of them. And guess what? Like our babies, all those precious things, they're actually his. They're from him anyway. They're a gift from him. That talent and that gift that you had to get that business started from the Lord, that provision of finances or precious possession from the Lord, that relationship, that provision of person from the Lord. So it's really good for us to come back and acknowledge that it's his. We're actually just bringing his gift back and acknowledging it being from him and asking him to bless it. So what baby do you have? You might have a few babies that you need to bring to God. Is it your job? Is it your business? Is it a relationship, a friendship? Is it your marriage? Is it your actual babies, your children? What do you need to bring and acknowledge that that thing or person or situation is actually completely dependent like a baby on God? It might be time to move out of deception that this thing is all yours and that you created it by yourself, that you know what's best because we don't know the future. We don't know the change of climate. We didn't know yesterday we'd be doing this today. We don't know the future, but God does. He knows. He gives you the skills and provision and the concepts that helped it get to where it is already here today. So it might be time to go from thinking, this is my baby, to thank you, God, for helping me have this. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you that you're with me and that I can come to you fully dependent 
and know that you're steadfast and dependable. So we bring our babies to the Lord. We bring our babies to the Lord. So the next step then is to come as a child. We come low. So verse 16 says, but Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We come to God as dependent children. We come aware that we are a teeny tiny little human under a great big God. We come before Father God. We never grow up enough to be self-sufficient from God. We never surpass him in any aspect of anything. He is always our Father and he is always for us. But he says the key to receiving from God and seeing the kingdom of God, the key to being connected to to God is to be his child. So what happens in a perfect scenario? So you have to use our imagination perhaps because we don't live in perfection, but what would happen in a perfect scenario when a child comes to their father? Their father embraces their them. The father embraces the child. So Dan referred to this a couple of weeks ago when talking about the prodigal son. The father was waiting and ready, looking for his son. And the father wrapped his arms around him. So you can just imagine now you're a teeny tiny little human with that massive big God and he wraps his arms around you. You'd just be completely surrounded by that provision from your heavenly father. He pours his love, his care, compassion, connection and delight. He's so pleased. He puts his delight on the child. He blesses them. Are you looking for someone to just be proud of you? Do you long to think, oh, I just love someone to actually be proud of me, to just be pleased in what who I am, what I'm doing? If so, God is your answer. Father God is your answer. But what happens in the same scenario, so I'm going to use my Lego men again, what happens in the same scenario if a person walks up to God the Father as though they are the boss? That means they are coming with an attitude that they are equal at best. So it's like saying that God is now teeny and tiny and I've got a guy here with a hat because he's the boss and he's coming to God like he's the boss. So at best... We come when we're the boss with an attitude that we are equal. And this could kind of look like something like this. So, yeah, God, hey, so, you know, my work, it's just driving me nuts and everyone keeps demanding more of me and I just want to break, God. Like, I just want to break. So can you just come and sort this out for me? That would be great. Thanks. Okay, see ya. Gone. So when we are the boss, God becomes our servant And here our attitude is that he should just do what we think he should do and what we want. There is no way that a servant is going to come and tell us what to do. But if we go back to the child, we are coming home when we come to the father. We are coming to where everything will be okay because dad God is here for me. We are coming remembering that I currently have all these things in my life because of God, it's all his. 
wow, God, look at what you've given me. Thank you for blessing me. Oh, God, though, I don't know what to do with this situation. What's the best? What's the best, God? And when I was preparing for this message, I felt like God said to me, Deb, being your own boss is being your own worst enemy. Have you found this? Has, have you ever heard someone say to you that you are your own worst enemy? Maybe in that area of life, you are being the boss. And we're never made to be our own boss, to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, to carry the weight of our own lives on our shoulders. And this is why it says that Jesus took our sin on his shoulders. He came to save us by dying on the cross to restore us back under the loving headship of Father God. Being our, your own boss or our own boss is a dilemma. It's the dilemma of not wanting anyone to tell us what to do, but at the same time not knowing what to do. It is that frustrating dilemma. And so wherever we are at in life, we will arrive at a time more than once where we don't know what to do. We're not, if we're not open to instruction, to learning, to being teachable, we will not be able to find what to do. So one, we bring our babies. Two, we come as a child. And three, we do what he says. So this tension and dilemma that we're talking about is really clearly seen in people seeking their calling. And when we refer to calling, what I mean by that is we are all created with the, the calling of being child of God, to follow God, love God, and to love others. And then underneath that, we have a more personal individual calling and that's what I'm referring to here in calling. Our hearts actually ache for this purpose and and God that's because we're made to have that purpose. So people get stuck in either in that space of hearing that calling or they hear that calling but in actually moving into it. You know you might have a few words over your life like you might have been told you're a teacher, you're a builder, an encourager, an entrepreneur perhaps. There's lots of different words. And we get really excited when we hear these words and they resonate with us because it fits with us and our heart longs for it. But then as time goes on and life doesn't look like we want it to with these words, with this direction, we haven't arrived, we can become really frustrated. So I know for me in my life, I didn't actually have specific words on my calling. But I knew that there was so much more with him and I was aching to go further with the Lord. And so I really wanted that. And over the years, because this was going on for years, I didn't feel like my space was actually changing. I wasn't moving anywhere. And I was asking God over and over, what do I do? What I help me? What do I do? How do I get wherever this is that I'm going to, God? I couldn't hear. And so for those close friends around me, it became a, I can't hear God. Poor me, poor me, like everyone else gets this and I'm missing out and I don't know what I'm doing and I can't hear. And if only I knew. And then years ago, I think it was Russ actually, Russ from our community, when I didn't really know Russ and we we're at another church and he comes up to me, tap, 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 and he says, he has a word for me, 
from God. And I think, yes, praise you, God, here it comes. Because at this stage, I had been in a in a wilderness in my life for about six years. So I'm like, yes, praise you, God, I'm ready. Here it comes. And he says to me, I feel like God says, you know what to do. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to do because if I knew what to do, I would be doing it right now. It was so frustrating, immensely frustrating because I was in no man's land. I didn't realise it, but hearing this was actually a step for me. It was actually helpful. It challenged me a lot. Go back and see what God has actually said. And it took me another six months But then I realised what he was saying and he was saying to go to Bible college. He had been saying it for a long time and I didn't like uni when I did it the first time round. I really didn't like it and so I vowed to never study again. And so I wasn't very open to hearing the Lord tell me to go to Bible college. I was not submitted to what he was saying and I was in a place of don't tell me what to do. So... What I was actually doing was, instead of saying, God, what's the next step for me? What should I do? I was saying to the Lord something like this. So, God, what is the next step for my life? Here are your options. A is, you know, would be wonderful. That's what I would love. B, I don't mind. I'll And C, well, I'll do that if I have to. But it wasn't an open question. So I spent three years in college, and for me it was very hard but it was very right. I didn't like it, but it was right. And so I can tell you from experience that really right trumps really hard. Sometimes we live in a deception that really fun trumps really wrong, but it doesn't. Right trumps wrong. Obedience to God is living justly, just as it says in Micah 6, 8. Right trumps wrong so much that the difficult road brings much more joy and peace than the easy wrong road that leads to destruction. So to be able to know the right steps in life, we have to come lowly to the Lord and then we need to obey him. We need to do what he says. Obedience is the following of God's path into our future, our hope, our righteousness, and this is our calling So if you are desperately despairing and frustrated by a lack of movement for you, come back lowly, come back, come as a child, bring your babies and obey what he says because it says in 1 Peter, uh, come before the Lord and he will lift you up in due time. It says in verse 14 of our passage in Luke 18 today, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4 says it too. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's a reason that this keeps popping up in the Bible. Come humbly before God. Come humbly, lowly, and he will lift you up. He will take you forward. He gives the call so he knows how to move in it. He knows where you are going and he knows how to get there. His knowledge is so much more than us. 
And you might be thinking, why do I want God to lift me up? Like, I can lift myself up. I can do that, can't I? Well, yes, we can. We can make ourselves great in the world's eyes. And we know, though, that everything in this world is fleeting. We know that a great business can go bust overnight. We know that we can show up to work and something happens and we lose our job. We can have those beautiful possessions stolen. What we build is not eternal and it's not even long-term. But what we build with the Lord is eternal and impacts the generations to come. When we lift ourselves up, we do it in our own way. We're not open to being taught. We're not connected well to God and we miss the joy and delight in a relationship with God. But the Lord will lift you up. As we do what he says, we follow his lead into the future that he has for us. And this is being lifted up. We don't actually have the map of life, but God does. So there will be some strange turns along the way that we'd miss if we try to move into calling on our own. He has the map. He knows the way. So we may not look like a high flyer like the world loves, but we'll be a high flyer in God's kingdom and perspective where we bring impact to a world which is everlasting. We sow into future generations and we get to be part of revealing God on earth. So there is such joy in being in the right place in our lives. This is when we have peace in our hearts. We have a deep joy in our spirit and we know this connection with the Lord. We know his love in us. We feel covered. We're guarded. We know what it's like to have someone proud of us. This is the right place and it is under God's wing. It's under him. It's in his care where he is father, where we are child, where we're positioned in safety because then when the storm comes, we're already inside covered. We don't even have to run as it comes. We're there. There is such blessing when we choose to live under God, blessing of access to his kingdom, to the wonderful benefits of the Lord. So why slog it out on our own for fleeting things that can be taken in a moment when we can come in under provision and care and be part of something everlasting? What is it that you need to do today? Do you need to bring precious babies, those things that you have held on tight to that are actually dependent on the Lord, do you need to bring them to Jesus today? Do you need to come to God again, but this time come as a child instead of the boss? Do you need to obey that word, that next step that the Lord has been speaking to you? Do you need to ask the Lord what to do without saying what he's allowed to tell you, it might be time today after hopping offline to take some time to get these things straight with the Lord because this is the beautiful walk humbly that God has set up for us where we are cared for, we're nurtured, we experience a parent being proud of us, we get to move into beautiful, wonderful things with him and it's an adventure. We take bigger risks than we ever thought we would because we step into things in obedience and get to experience God's empowerment behind us. 
So what aspect of these things do you need to work out with God today? I'm just going to pray for us now. So, Lord, I thank you so much that you love us like a father. I thank you so much, God, that whilst we are teeny tiny humans, you are the biggest God, we can't even fathom how big you are, that your love is that big, but that your power is that big, your knowledge is that big. And because you're at the Father at the same time, you wrap your big hands all around us in love. So thank you, God, that we can come as a child. Thank you, God, for everything you've given us. And we acknowledge together today that it is dependent on you, God. Thank you that you have the map for our lives. And so we can ask you an open-ended question of what is the next step? And as strange as it sounds, we can take it in obedience and know we are moving forward in the journey of life with you, God. Thank you, God. You are so good to us. Lord, I pray for those who are just not sure how to work this through. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you come and you help people today that they would realise that there is a greater joy, a greater connection with you that then brings a greater connection with others as well, Lord, that there is so much more for them when they come as your child. And I bless everyone here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.